And so everybody looks at the bluntness of the cap, the calcification and the tortuosity. But they also looked at multiple occlusions, which I have found is really an indicator that you, you might be more likely to fail if you're not aware of that, because you might only know that there's a proximal cap. There may be multiple proximal caps. You get through one segment, then there's a you know a, another segment that's a CTO. So that's the other uh, indicator in the CT rector score. And they also added uh, length of uh, time that the patient has had the CTO and previous failure. Hello, everybody. Uh, welcome to this uh, podcast and thank you to Radcliffe ECR for organizing this podcast. And thanks, Abdul Mojit, for joining us. Uh, the topic we're going to be discussing is the role of CTCA in CTO-PCI. And um, we'll start by introducing ourselves. So, Abdul, if you want to uh, tell us a bit about yourself, where you work, what you do, that would be a good introduction. Thank you. Thanks, um, uh, thank you for inviting me to take part in this uh, little webinar um, on the role of CTs for uh, guiding CTO-PCI. So um, I'm a consultant cardiologist at the Leeds General Infirmary and uh, my specialist interest in complex coronary interventions, uh, in particular uh, PCI for chronic total occlusions. Um, I've been doing um, PCI for CTOs since um, two, 2012, roughly, from about 10 years. Um, and do around 120, 150 CTAs per year, um, utilizing all the hybrid strategies, um, antiquated wiring, retrograde, and antiquated section re-entry. Um, in 2021, my overall success was around 94%. Uh, we were on 50% cases completed antigrade uh, wiring, 35% retrograde, uh, either retrograde wiring or retrograde Vescart, and about 15% um, antiquated section re-entry. Uh, now, the failed cases, uh, the reason for failure was really mainly due to proximal cap ambiguity, heavy calcification, and the subsequent inability to get retrograde with non-interventional retrograde collaterals. So I think to get, to get even better and improve the success rate, I think the key is really being able to master those anti-grade techniques to complete cases with anti-grade wiring. So the, I, I do have... Uh, It'd be interesting to hear from you about the role of CT in this to guide how we can uh, puncture the proximal cap, how to negotiate the vessel using that CT guidance and try and complete a case um, using anti-grade wire techniques when you're not able to uh, get retrograde in a proportion of cases. So that'll be interesting to hear, hear your thoughts uh, on that. Absolutely. Thank you for that, Abdul. Um, so uh, you've been doing CTOPCI for quite a while and you use a variety of techniques. Uh, I was proctored for CTOPCI in 2019, just before the pandemic. And our center is uh, sort of a moderate volume. We do between 100 and 110 CTOs a year. And there are two operators as of now. So we do between 40 and 50 CTOs. We do use uh, all techniques, anti-grade and retrograde. But I think uh, numerically, our anti-grade percentage is much higher than the retrograde percentage. Uh, for whatever reason, maybe it is uh, the, the way the patients are, a lot of them don't seem to have retrograde collaterals or we're very good at anti-grade or maybe we use CT so we can see where to puncture. I'm not sure. We haven't actually looked at that. Uh, and uh, I've been a consultant since 2016. And like yourself, I do complex PCI other than CTO, you know, including uh, root ablations, bifurcations, as you must do as well. I was uh, CTCA certified in the same year as I was proctored. And um, I, I'm very keen on utilizing CTCA to, as you say, 
to kind of help us with CTO-PCI. So um, that's just about uh, me. And uh, perhaps, uh, Abdul, you can take us through how you approach uh, the patient for CTO-PCI. You know, are they referred to you? Is there a stream? Uh, what investigations do they have uh, at your center and how you perform? Yeah. Thanks, Vinoda. Uh, so, um, I mean, we have a sort of 50-50 splits between whether we are get referrals from local colleagues actually within the center or uh, colleagues from local district general hospitals. So our catchment area, um, we have five um, local district general hospitals who also do primary, who do PCI and contribute to our prime PCI rotor, but don't tend to do very complex cases or such as CTOs. They do some some cases, but but not not sort of complex CTOs. So I get referral referrals from them. So you see, it's a mixture between in-house or external referrals. In terms of the workup, they, I mean. Uh, I think majority of patients are usually elective cases, so they've come through a sort of stable angina uh, pathway, um, usually via the rapid access chest pain clinic. Uh, In-house, certainly a lot of these patients will have had a CT scan as part of that uh, because our first choice test for diagnosis of uh, chest pain cause is to do a CT scan. So a lot of these patients will have already had a CT um, not specifically looking at the CTO segment itself, but really for the purpose of diagnosis of coronary artery disease. And if that's demonstrated, then they go on to have an invasive coronary angiogram. Um, in terms of the CTO patients per se, I, I'll admit I'm, I'm a small Buddha. I don't really tend to look at the CT, and unlike you, I'm not CT certified, so I don't don't really particularly look at the CT. I mean, there'd be the rare occasional cases where I've sat down with radiology or either cardiology imaging colleagues have had, had a look at a CT scan, but not this. It's not routine. So usually, though, if if they've got symptoms, I'll usually go by symptoms. If they've got symptoms and normal left ventricular function suggesting viability. Uh, of the CTO territory, then they'll go ahead for uh, or be listed for PCI if if it's appropriate ongoing symptoms despite medical therapy. Uh, if they've uh, got impaired LV function um, in the territory of the regional uh, of the uh, CTO, um, then probably we'll do a either viability or ischemia testing such as a cardiac MRI scan or um, nuclear perfusion or stress echo. But I guess, you know, that's another question you, you may be able to answer whether you can get viability information from a CT scan or also, I don't know, it's not it's not something that we do here, but I guess I've, I've um, read where, you know, I've seen, seen certainly seen in centers where actually they use a CT as a one-stop investigation for diagnosis of coronary disease, LV function and viability. Um, yeah. Thank you. Uh, so our center, pretty much uh, like yours, we have two streams. One is through the rapid access chest pain clinic referrals, which are electives. And as you said, uh, after the NICE guidelines, most of them have CT scans uh, of their heart arteries, unless, of course, you know, they, are, they have contrast allergy or they are unable to they tolerate the atmosphere. They get claustrophobic, some such thing, or their high heart rates can't be controlled. So the elective stream, most of them have had a CT. However, there are patients here, we have a proportion of them, maybe one third of the CTOs we do have come in as a non-STEMI or an ACS, and they have the non-CTO artery tackled, which was the culprit, and then they have a residual CTO. So such patients also get referred. As ours is a non-surgical center, we, uh, we don't get referrals from outside. The referrals are based just in our hospital only, which might actually uh, you know, explain the numbers 100 to 110, which is around 10 to 15% of our total angio-PCI uh, workload. 
And uh, those patients now, if uh, if it's myself, previously I used to, uh, those inpatients specifically, I used to send them for a CT scan to see, you know, uh, especially if angiographically the artery looked heavily calcified or the retrograde collaterals didn't look very good. However, the other operator prefers to perform the CTO-PCI if there's a failure or if these patients are post-bypass patients, then send them for a CT scan to look at the mode of failure, so to speak. Uh, coming to your question about viability, we don't have the software. Uh, uh, part of the software that I've seen, I thought, was mainly a research model. But we do have CT and CTFFR. And yes, we can detect if the myocardial ball is thinned out or not, giving some indication that, you know, maybe it's not viable. And as you said, if the patient doesn't have symptoms and has LV dysfunction, we send the patient for viability studies. We don't have stress MRI, but we do have stress echo and myocardial perfusion scan. So we do one of those. And I think that actually brings us uh, very nicely to the use of CTCA and CTOPCI. And as uh, you mentioned, you, you don't have the opportunity to look at the images. So in, in your practice, uh, is it just the patients who come through the rapid access chest pain clinic who had the CT and then come for CTOPCI? Or if you have failures, do you send them for a CT scan? How, how does it work? Yes, um, I think like you say, I think it's usually the cases um, patients who've already had a CT scan uh, at the time of diagnosis of chest pain. So by the rapid access chest pain, they'll have had a CT scan. Uh, the cases that I fail, um, I must say I've not, I've not uh, yet gone to routinely book for CT scan, but it's something I'm looking at certainly. I think that may be the way forward to understand mode of failure, to try and work out what... Uh, the best strategy would be for the repeat attempts. I've tend to just um, bring them back, ha having usually done an investment procedure, having modified the proximal cap during the first case, I've tend to then come back and the success rate tends to be higher. But you're absolutely right. I think for those sorts of cases, that might be a useful strategy to first do a CT sc uh, scan prior to bringing them back for repeat procedure. But I think it's important point that you touched on. I think the, the benefit of the CTN really if the operator doing the case has to be really certified in CT and actually because you, you know it's sometimes difficult to ask for example the radiologist to give you the answer about exactly what you're looking for so I think if, if you're the operator it's very useful to get trained in CT and that's something that I'll be looking to do so that we can actually analyze the CT as, as a CT operator and specifically look for exactly what I think that I'm looking at where is the uh, classification of the wall, where is the best spot for ADR, for example, is this going to be a, a case that I can completely anti-grade or do I really need to try and focus on retrograde or do I really need to pursue a high-risk epicardiocollateral because on the CT there's no chance of anti-grade success. I think all these things would probably be um, helpful for failed cases. No, absolutely. Uh, thank you for that. I think that uh, raises two points. So uh, as I mentioned, uh, I found that being trained in CT really helped because uh, we have CTCMDTs every two weeks and say there's a failed CTO uh, that underwent a CT scan of the coronary arteries. So we sit down and discuss with the other CTO operator and we look at the proximal cap calcification, the distal cap calcification, the body, the tortuosity, the pathway. And um, in fact, uh, we had a case, uh, we had failed, uh, the two of us had done a joint case and we sent the patient for a CTCA and we realized why we couldn't re-enter because we were re-entering at the wrong point, which was heavily calcified. Whereas if we had done an ADR and knuckled for 
further down into an area of soft plaque, we could re-enter very easily. And that's what we did. And um, there are a number of um, CTCS scores for, for CT or PCI. For example, the oldest one is the CT rector score, which you might have heard of, which is, I think, about six, seven or um, more than that years old. Uh, they essentially looked at, so everybody looks at the bluntness of the cap, the calcification and the tortuosity, but they also looked at multiple occlusions, which I have found is really an indicator that you, you might be more likely to fail if you're not aware of that, because you might only know that there's a proximal cap, there may be multiple proximal caps, you get through one segment, then there's a, you know, a, another segment that's a CTO. So that's the other uh, indicator in the CT rector score. And they also added uh, length of uh, time that the patient has had the CTO and previous failure. Whereas the recharge registry, which I think James Pratt and Will Wilson, et cetera, set up, uh, there's a Korean study based on the recharge registry where they got the recharge CTO score. And the very interesting thing about that score is, uh, which I don't use routinely, but I might start using, is in addition to the blunt cap and the tortuosity and calcification, they have also used previous cabbage as a marker which we all know that patients with previous bypass surgery have much tougher CTOs because the artery is more calcified. There's ongoing you know, inflammation in the proximal portion of the native artery, as we already know. And in addition, they've talked about the distal vessel. So they said if the distal vessel is small or diffusely diseased, you're more likely to fail. And uh, you know, as CTO operators, we're aware that that's uh, one of the things. And uh, the last thing they added to that was the length of the CTO, which maybe equates to multiple CTOs, but uh, I don't know what your thoughts are on the recharge CTO score versus the uh, rector score, as uh, I've just explained. So uh, do you think multiple CTOs within one CTO body actually can create more of a problem? I think intuitively it makes sense actually. So I think the uh, CTO, like we, we don't use that score, but I can see how, how it can be useful. And certainly, as you say, multiple occlusions, you can understand why that would be the case. With heavy, heavy calcification, if you've got initial occluded segment, you get through that. If you've got a second occluded segment, um, the chance of going subintimal is always going to be much higher. So I think that that intuitively does make sense. And I think if you're able to visualize that on the CT scan prior to your procedure, Again, you could anticipate if your antiquated wire escalation technique is going to fail. Mm -hmm. So you would pr probably, I guess, not not spend too much time pers pursuing an antiquated wire technique, knowing there's multiple occlusions, and you'd probably move straight to a more antiquated dissection technique or look for a retrograde technique. So I think it's certainly mm -hmm. it, it, do, it does make sense. Useful because as, as you know, the 2D invasive angiogram is limited in information. We're trying to get a 2D image of, a, of, of a, you know, obviously a 3D um, structure. And sometimes, like you say, because of collateral filling, you can't visualize the occluded segment because actually you've got multiple collaterals. Uh, for example, for an RCA, you love collaterals from the circumflex, collaterals from the LAD, and you may not see the full occluded segment. It can be difficult if your collateral filling isn't great. So it can be difficult to visualize the whole occluded segment, how accurately assess how long it is, and exactly like you say, are there multiple occlusions? Um, if you know there are multiple occlusions, certainly you know that's going to be a more difficult case. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think um, uh, this... Uh, this use of CTCA was very nicely demonstrated by Hong uh, et al., which is a Korean paper that came out towards the end of last year, where they had randomized um, uh, 400 patients, so 200 to each arm, uh, CTCA prior to CTO-PCI versus uh, just CTO-PCI straight away. 
And I think they found nearly a 10% absolute uh, increase in success rate in those patients who underwent uh, CTCA prior to CTOPCI. Uh, your thoughts on that uh, paper at all? That was a very interesting um, uh, paper, and you know it's an impressive randomised trial in a very difficult area. And actually, it's one of the few sort of successful CTO randomised trials. You know, it's sure. a very difficult area to do randomised trials in. So yeah, so that that was a fairly exciting trial. It's quite impressive the magnitude of difference I, I found. You know, ten percent difference. Uh, you know, in the CT guided. Um, so they had a 94% success rate in the cases who got CT guided compared to 84% in the, in the angio uh, guided only. It's difficult to quite understand how how that can be. I mean, as you know, the sort of complexity wasn't too high. I don't think in the uh, cases. I think mean GACG, as, as we talked about, was 1.7. So it's difficult to understand the difference. But you know, regardless of that, I think it is impressive um, the difference. And I think they've postulated that it is really understanding the proximal cap understanding you know if there's an adequate channel what type of wire they would use if they saw an adequate channel channel that probably influenced uh, the decision making and how to puncture the proximal cap uh, proximal cap accurately so i think all those sort of factors probably contributed to a higher anti-grade uh, success rate and in fact the retrograde success was also higher in the ct guided arm so, so, so that was interesting. And also even more impressive was that actually the complication rates were numerically Hello. lower. Yes. Uh, so there was less perforation and less um, pre-procedure infarcts in the CT-guided uh, arm. So again, that's a, that's a really interesting because, you know, as you know, CT is technically challenging, but also the complication rates are higher. And we certainly know that from registry data. Um, and that's something we need to get better at. And if, some, if there is a technique or modality that can improve our safety, then that's certainly something we should pursue. No, absolutely. And I think that was a very impressive and, you know, novel study, because as you say, it is difficult to recruit patients and most studies have not been positive in CTO, even though they're looking at other things. So it's a very exciting time. The interesting thing is their success was actually significant in the higher JCTO score, which is more than equal to two. But I think if you looked at the standard deviation and the mean, it was 1.7 plus or minus 0.88. So we know that probably they didn't have JCTOs more than three. I'm speculating based on the data that they have published. But uh, yes, it's still very exciting. And um, I think based on that, uh, we started a small pilot study at our center, randomizing uh, 20 patients with JCTOs more than equal to two to either CTCA before CTO-PCI or without the CTCA. Uh, let's see what it shows. Our endpoint is actually uh, the SAQ angina score. So, you know, and success rates as a secondary endpoint, but it's too small a study to kind of say that we will uh, have some hard endpoints from it. Uh, but it is uh, an interesting time. Um, You're going to say something, go on. So, I mean, how, how do you use CT uh, in your in your actual day-to-day -day practice? So, as you've said, you look at CT beforehand, but is it, do you then have the CT images up in your lab when you're doing the cases? So yes, do you, yes, we do. You do. So we don't have, yes, we don't have co-registration. Uh, we, we do have Siemens um, uh, in the cath lab and we have a Siemens machine also for the CTCA, uh, but we don't have the software to have co-registration. But we look at it beforehand. We look at the angles beforehand. We assess the proximal cap. Uh, like I said, we discussed this in our CTCA-MDT. Uh, we have uh, quite a few interventionists who do CT at our center. Uh, and uh, we assess it and we sit with the other CTO uh, operators, well, if uh, that's a case referred by them, and we assess 
where we can uh, enter probably, is it better to do it as an anti-grade wire escalation or an ADR? It's a bit hard at this time because uh, the resolution isn't so good for us to say you can go anti-grade versus retrograde. Uh, but I think, yes, AWE versus ADR, I think uh, that, that, that is something we can sort of say. And, and as I mentioned earlier, the case that I had uh, mentioned to you, which we failed, we realized why we failed, the mechanism of failure. So I think um, uh, in um, uh, summary, I think uh, CTC is a very good modality, not just in the rapid access chest pain clinic uh, stable patients assessment, but also in uh, CTO-PCI. I think um, as of now, because availability, accessibility, and the ability to have the images to read are difficult, it's probably not going to be routine to send all CTOs for a CTO-PCI prior to doing it. But yes, perhaps in those patients who have failed CTO-PCI, perhaps in the post-bypass patients where you know it will be heavily calcified and maybe multiple CTOs, uh, that may be the sort of cohort of patients who would benefit from having the CTCA prior to an attempt. Do you uh, think that's uh, kind of the indication these days now? So, so I think that's absolutely right, Vinoda. So I think that's probably where we are heading. And obviously, any any modality that can improve success rates and reduce complications is something that we should embrace uh, for our patients in the you know in these complex um, cohort of patients. So I think certainly we'll be looking to look at um, improving use of CT. And as we've already discussed, I think the key thing is as a CT operator, you need to get trained in CT be able to look at the CT scan yourself rather than asking a colleague, you know, yes, you can review the case, but actually if you're looking for a specific thing, something like, you know, where's the best spot for ADR, sometimes it's difficult yes. for them to sort of, you know, tell you that when you need to be able to look at that, you know, uh, analyze the image, rotate the image and do all the sort of manipulation that you can with an image to get the answer yourself. So I think certainly that, that the use of CT, I'm sure, will go up and up and certainly there's more enthusiasm for it. I mean, do, do you see any limitations in terms of, um, contrast volume and radiation dose prior to the CTs, or is that not really a concern? That, that's an excellent question. So uh, individually, we don't, because uh, normally the total contrast volume we give uh, during CTCA doesn't increase more than, say, 90 mils. And we all know that uh, with new machines and, uh, you know, faster scans, you can get as low as a radiation dose at 25 millisieverts with one CTCA. So, and if we look at the study by Hong at all as well, so they didn't have excess contrast in either group. But yes, it's a very valid question. And I think as long as, like every test is as good as how well it's done. So as long as the test is done well and you're not repeating boluses of contrast because, you know, you couldn't get the patient to hold their breath or the heart rate was too high. I think within reason, I think uh, the contrast is limited as is the radiation dose. Thank you. So um, I think um, it's been a great discussion. Thank you for your input. Um, we have uh, looked at the use of CTCA and CTO-PCI, and we think it's going to become more frequent, uh, perhaps currently limited by availability or, you know, the ability to access images or the training required. But yes, definitely in those patients with previous bypass, maybe in the ones that have failed, at least for now, uh, we can consider those as two indications. Probably going forward, uh, if there are more studies to show or a little pilot study shows a difference, um, we can say that, you know, anyone with a high JCTO score should probably have a CTCA prior to CTO-PCI. So uh, thank you, Abdul, for your input. And um, thank you to Radcliffe ECR again. Thank you to all our audience who have taken the time to listen to us. And bye-bye uh, for now.